your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Might help if I was in Colossians and not in Galatians. Yeah, Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> I know we read from here last week, but I want to just read it again because it's so good. It says in verse 1, Colossians 3 verse 1. It says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. It's just been whirring around in my spirit this week again. Just the fact that we are hidden in Christ. That we actually, we died, our old way of life is dead. We're not that same person anymore. We're not that same person. That we died and our life is hidden in Christ. That we are so connected to him. If you want to flick over to John 15, Philip was referring to it. Um, during communion but John chapter 15 I could spend all year in John 15 it's such an awesome chapter of the Bible I encourage you just to meditate on the goodness in it but uh, it talks about that he is the true vine and my father is a vine dresser and that every branch of me that does not bear fruit he takes away you know when we're hidden in Christ he deals with the stuff you know it's like we're connected to him And it says in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We're divinely united to Jesus. You know what? We don't have to keep looking for him. We don't actually have to keep looking for him anymore. We're divinely connected to him. It's a supernatural spiritual thing that we are connected to him. And I wondered this week why Jesus used the imagery of a vine I got a little happy when I figured this out. But, you know, and, and I thought, well, what grows on a vine? And he's talking about a grapevine. You know, often you talk about, and, and uh, heck, what grows on a grapevine is grapes. And what comes from grapes? Wine. And if you look at Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of our enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, I looked at some of the different translations. I get this. I love this. This is pretty cool. It says, Thou hast prepared a table before me against them that afflict me. You anointed my head with oil, and my chalice, my chalice, which inebriates me, how goodly it is. I want to say that again. And my chalice, as in my cup that runneth over, my chalice, which inebriates me, how goodly it is. I like that. Just, just let that sink in. <laughs> My cup overflows, you know. In the east, <laughs> in the east, the people frequently anointed their visitors with some very fragrant perfume. And they give them a cup or glass of choice wine, which they are careful to fill till it runs over. The first was designed to show their love, that they anointed them with this fragrant perfume and respect, and the latter to imply that while they remained in their company, in their hospitality, that they should have an abundance of everything. And that's what the psalmist is alluding to. My cup runneth over, my chalice, which I am inebriated from, how goodly it is. See, permission to be drunk in Jesus. (laughs) You know, I think it's like, it's no coincidence that he talks about he is the vine and we're the branch and that we're connected to him, because a vine You drink from the vine. You can drink from Jesus. You can drink from him. You know, there's a lot of analogy and imagery in scripture and it's there for a reason. 
It's there for a reason. So the first step to being in his presence, because that's what I'm talking about, of practicing being in his presence, that's what I talk about this morning, is to understand that he wants us to find pleasure in him and that to find pleasure in him is okay. Now, sometimes we think, oh, pleasure, and it's like, oh, because we can relate to somebody being you know, very serious and, and fasting and prayer and all those things are good and intercession and groanings and stuff. And the church is okay with it. People are usually okay with that. But you look at somebody who's drinking from the vine and they're a little bit tipsy on Jesus and people get offended. Why is that? You know, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how Peter gets up and he says, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. What were they doing? They'd been drinking from the vine. They'd been drinking from Jesus and they were fully inebriated and how good it was. You know, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. They're drinking from Jesus. He is the vine. We're connected to him, and we can just drink any time we want. He is the one. He overflows himself, and our cup overflows. And God actually wants us to find pleasure in him. You think about what the world has done. You know, God set that in place that he is the vine and we're able to drink from his goodness and it is good and our cup would overflow and he anoints our head with oil. And the world has just tried, you know, the devil's just got in and tried to steal what God wants that we would drink from him into they have to drink of liquor, which costs money. He says, come all you that are thirsty and hungry and come have, you know, and it won't cost you anything. And the, and the you know, people spend so much money on getting inebriated on the stuff that the world has made up. Yeah? And it's like he's saying, you can come and you can, your cup can overflow and you can drink from me and it's free. And we can find pleasure in him and you're allowed to. So the first part of practicing being in his presence is that you're allowed to enjoy him. It says that at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Yeah? Turn with me to Psalm 36. I got a buzz when I saw this. This is, this is just good. I'm just going to walk you through some scriptures this morning just to convince you from the word that it's okay to enjoy him. It's okay to drink from his goodness. It's okay to splash about in him. It's okay, and that's the first part of us being able to enter in deeper into him and just go there. Psalm 36, 7 to 9 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God, Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Get this. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. Another translation says, They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. We can actually feast on the fatness of God's house. We can actually drink from his river, we can drink because he's the, he's the vine. He's the wine. He's the good stuff. And it's free. It says, come to me, and th- those who thirst, and drink from me, and I'll give you rivers of living water that will joy, and your cup will overflow, and you just will know my presence. The first part of entering in is to know that you can drink from the river of his delight. It's okay to be joyful in Jesus. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, Psalm 46 says. And we are to be abundantly satisfied for the fullness of his house and the fatness. Think about that. Because, you know, we've got this low-calorie thing. 
but you're actually allowed to enjoy the fatness and feast on Jesus. Are you getting this this morning? Yes. So I want you to just get this. Jesus is not low calorie. He is not a low calorie Jesus. He is a feast. Say that to the person next to you. Jesus is not low calorie. He loves the creamy stuff and the donuts and the jam and the roast dinners. You know, we talk about Jesus as a roast dinner God, but I just got it. He, he wants us to feast on the fatness of his house and enjoy the river of his delight and pleasure in him. And we're allowed to do that. You can give yourself permission to enjoy him. Because often in us there is a little bit of, oh, I can't go there. Oh, no, that's just too much. Oh, you know, oh, no, that's not very spiritual to just, you know, oh, God. You know, and we don't, and we don't allow ourselves to do that. Oh, that's not very pious. That's not very spiritual. And God is saying, feast on the abundance of fatness of my house, which is in heaven. So feast on the abundance of heaven. It says that he prepares a banqueting table for us, that his cup overflows. So he actually wants us to go, woohoo, I'm here. I can eat as much as I want from you. He's not a low calorie. He's not low calorie. Did you get that, Stuart? He's not low calorie. Maybe that's why we love food so much at South Central. <laughs> it's because we get this. But I've got it a bit more, so watch out. So pleasure, pleasure is a gateway into which we eat from the fullness, the fatness of God's house. Pleasure, it's okay. Pleasure is okay. Joy is okay. We're to enjoy Jesus, enjoy hanging out with him. And when we enjoy him, it brings us into his presence. When we enjoy him and feast on him and just, oh God, you're so awesome. Jesus, I love you. I just turn my face to you. I drink from your goodness. You're the vine. You're the wine. I just drink of it. You know, he gets pleasure out of that and we get pleasure and he loves it. He loves it. And we've been set free to do that. You know, sometimes we st- we're back here in this law thing. And Jesus says, and, you know, in John 8, 36, so if the Son liberates you, makes you free, then you are really and unquestionably free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. When you drink from Jesus, you receive his forgiveness. You receive what he did on that cross. You receive it. And that's why when we take communion, we're drinking of the fatness of his house. We're feasting on Jesus. And Galatians, you know, that's what the whole take my body, you know, receive my blood is all about. It's feasting on the fatness of his house. Galatians 5.1 says, In this freedom Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. And it's a supernatural freedom. You're set free, so you're free to enjoy him. You're free to find pleasure in him. You're free to rejoice in him because that's the first step into entering more into his presence is that you're free. And I want you to get this this morning, that it's important to build triggers of joy into our lives. It's really, really important when we want to practice being in God's presence to build triggers of joy, triggers of pleasure, triggers of enjoyment into our lives. God is most satisfied when we are satisfied in him. He actually does not need anything from us. He doesn't need anything from us. Our efforts are not necessary. Think about that for a minute. He does not need anything from you. All our efforts are coming in. I'm going to give you my worship, God. 
I'm doing this for you, Lord. He doesn't need it. He says, come to me. That's good, isn't it? He doesn't need anything from us. He just wants us to enjoy him. He gives us an open invitation to bliss. You can get happy on the inside. <laughs> to feast on him as joy and his life flows in us. He says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Come and drink from me. And he is glorified in us, being full of him and enjoying him. He enjoys us. And you know what? You're made in God's image. That's why we talk so much about it, that we are a new creation and to understand who we are in Christ. Because it's so important that we see ourselves as who we are in Christ. Not these lowly, beaten up, unforgiven, wormy, oh God, I'm a sinner. We're not. We're a new creation. We have been forgiven. We wear robes of righteousness. We're cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And when we mess up, we come and get our feet washed. So Jesus says, I torpedo, I don't need to wash all of you. I just need to wash your feet. Because I've already forgiven you. You just sometimes when you mess up and get a bit muddy, just come to me and I'll wash you with rivers of living water. And he says, because you're made in my image, in the image of God you're made, you have enormous, amazing, expansive, massive capacity for joy. You can say, well, that's not my personality. That's okay. Because inside of you, you have the image of God. You are made in his image and he has a massive expansive capacity for joining themselves and we have that DNA in us. So you can let it bubble up, you can let it come out, you can express it any way you like, but don't say it's not my personality because we're made in the image of God and he is a massively joyful God. Otherwise everything would have been made grey. Sorry for those who like grey. But you know, look at yourselves. Everybody's in different colours. God could have just made everything one colour. But he didn't because he has a massive expansive capacity for joy and fullness and that he wants us to feast on that and when you do that when you come into his presence like that it's like and you enjoy things around you and then you enjoy and you feast on him it catapults you into his presence it catapults us into his presence because we've been set free from the law we've been set free from religion Religion binds up. We're not in a religion. We're in a relationship with Jesus and we can feast on him and the abundance of his house and let that cup overflow and just keep on. You know, he's not, he says he lavishly pours out his love upon us and he is a practical, demonstrative God. So he wants us to feel and experience. It's okay to say, oh, you know, it's okay to say, oh, we're going to do acts of kindness. Particularly, we never did anything. Would we be, would be expressing that? How different it is when we demonstrate the love. And it's the same with God. He demonstrates his love by saying, come and enjoy me. And it's all about he loves us. And he wants us to enjoy him. Us to enjoy him. We don't have to do anything. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God's will that we should push on into his presence and live our whole lives there, Tozer said in the pursuit of God that he wrote. God's will is that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there. Why? Because when you're in his presence, you're feasting on him. You're getting inebriated on him. I love that. I love that it's in there. You know, that the cup, we lose sometimes in translation in our very English thingy, that we lose it, that they would fill the cup up until it overflows. Oh, it's making a mess. That's what you think, isn't it? Somebody pours water and it 
makes a mess. Well, you know what? Jesus doesn't mind if we make a mess. He doesn't mind as long as we're enjoying ourselves. Sorry for all the neat freaks. <laughs> but you're allowed to make a mess. when you know, And that's why sometimes when people getting inebriated and drinking from the vine and drinking from Jesus, is that to those neat freaks, to us very structured people, it might look a bit messy if people are whoa-ing and making a noise and giggling and rolling around on the floor or running around the room or jumping. We go, well, that's not very neat. But if you think about what Jesus is talking about, he, you know, pouring a cup of wine until it overflows all over and makes a big puddle isn't neat either. But that's what he said in Scripture. My cup overflows and I am inebriated in you and it is goodly. Just let that rest there, those neat little people. Yeah? That we push on into his presence and live our whole life there and make a choice to enjoy him. He's not low calorie. He's not. He's big fat. I get it now. I've been listening to Justin Abraham and he's talking about fat, gooey donuts and cream and jam. I thought, oh, I get it now. I'm meant to feast on the fatness of donuts and cream and, and uh, <laughs> you know, Ivan, you have permission to enjoy cream. <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's what it's like. It's the fatness of his health. It's all those things that we go, we can't, you know, that, that we can't touch, we can't eat, we can't enjoy, that that's part of the law that Paul talked about, that it's done away and who has enslaved you back to that place, he says. He says, who Jesus sets free is free indeed and there's no no touching, there's no not enjoying, it's all for us. He says that he has created everything for our pleasure. Our pleasure. You're allowed to find pleasure in him. You're allowed to find pleasure in the creation around. You're allowed to find pleasure you got that. Yeah. Your whole life you're allowed to find pleasure. So how do we do that? How do we go into that place of just of, of, of connecting with him? Well, the first part is, is part of his presence is recollect him. That's what the old mystic prayer people used to do, is to recollect him, to centre on him and build into our lives where we can centre on him and remember him. So when we know that we can find pleasure in him, it allows us to just have his freedom. You know what? I can just enjoy God. I don't have to have some revelation or word or deep stuff. I can just enjoy feasting. I can just enjoy. We don't have to have this, you know, sunrise moment all the time. Yes, God will give you that out of his presence. But you can just come and feast on him, on the fatty donuts, on the roast dinners, on the noodles, <laughs> Matt puts up these, on the coffees, you know, we can just enjoy him. And we need to build into our lives where we remember him. And it's different for everyone, you know. I, I love to worship, so I'll put on a worship song and it just reminds me of, I'm forgiven, I'm set free. You know, sometimes it's, a, you know, for people it's a picture. I'm sure that's what all the Catholic, you know, where it started from is when they saw the crucifixion, I saw somebody and all the icons, is that for people back, way back, it made them recollect him. And they'd see him on the cross and they'd go, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Look what you've done for me. And they'd recollect him and they'd go into joy. And they'd come into his presence because of that. And it's different for everybody. It may be a sunset or a sunrise does it. Oh, God, you love me so much. You just gave me that this morning. And maybe music. It may be a picture. It may be... 
a beautiful roast dinner and maybe just, you know, what brings you joy? And I've talked about what prospers your soul. And we talked about that on Friday at Connect Group. What prospers your soul? And sometimes it's hard to remember because we get so busy and we're earnest and all those things. But, you know, being in God's presence is John 3, 3 John 1 and verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So what prospers your soul? Because that's how we go into that place of feasting on him, on his fatness of his house. Is the first step is to enjoy him and enjoy where he's put you and what he's given you. You know, the beautiful things around us are shadows of heaven. And I had this revelation. It was so good. Because Philippians 4 verse 8 is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And I'll read it to you. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. That's in there for scripture. Um, I and I, we can get a bit religious and go, oh, well, anything that's outside of that, we shouldn't be touching, we shouldn't eat. And, you know, and there is part of that, is we need to watch what we're putting into our lives because that's what comes up. But you know what? I had this revelation this week. That that's there because when we focus and value the things that are true and noble and pure and lovely and have praise in them, that it reminds us of Jesus. It reminds us, you know, to keep our mind on heavenly things and the beautiful things all around us. The lovely dinner or the coffee or the sunrise or walking on the beach, or whatever it is that you find joy and pleasure in, they're shadows of heaven. So when we enjoy what God has given us and find pleasure in it, it can turn our face toward him and say, thank you, Lord, that you've given me this. Thank you, Lord, for my home. Thank you, Lord, for my husband and wife. Thank you for my children. I just enjoy them. Because when we do that, it just sends us to a place where we can enter in easy. And that's what God's saying. Is, I saw in that scripture, I'm like, that's why he says to focus on those things because it triggers our heart towards him. And we need to build into our life those things that trigger joy in us, that trigger joy in us. You know, sometimes the best thing is not to sit in your room and pray, pray, pray. It's to get out and enjoy the sunshine. It's to go for a walk. It's to smell the roses. It's to do something that brings you joy, to go and have a coffee, just to, just to enjoy and drink from him. And he surrounds us with good things. And sometimes, you know, one of the, when we're feeling down, one of the best things we do is get out. It's to get out. That's one of the steps, you know, beyond blue and stuff, is to get out and enjoy people's company, to get out and enjoy. Because often we've been taught we're not allowed to enjoy, it's just work, work, work. Serious stuff, isn't it? And God says you can enjoy. The beautiful things around us are shadows of heaven. And it's so important for us because it triggers us when we enjoy those things into the realms of the spirit. And it turns our minds towards heaven. It says, think on heaven, you know, set your mind on heavenly things. But often the way he does that is to, uh, to uh, you're enjoying the things around you. And if you turn, you say, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this around me. You know, he just wants to be like a couple that have been married for 50 years and are sitting on a park bench and they don't have to talk to each other. 
You know, it definitely doesn't have to be 50 years, you know. It could just be a few months. But you just sit there and you're enjoying each other, enjoying each other's company, and you don't have to have any great revelations for the day. You just sit there and, oh, it's just good to be here. It's just good to, you know, just enjoy each other's company. And you don't even have to say anything. And that's how God wants us to be with him, is that we can just sit on that park bench and breathe. And when we do that and we just rejoice in his presence, it triggers us into places of his spirit. And that's the first step into going into those heavenly places and those courts of God and, and just, you know, taking those places of authority that I talked about last week. But, you know, it's practicing being in his presence that takes us there. Maria Wordsworth Edda, she was an evangelist preacher in the 1900s. And uh, she, she was an awesome woman. I love reading about her because she's a kick-butt preacher. And she was, you know, it wasn't common back then for a woman to be like that. You know, she had this 8,000-seat tent that she would take around and she had miracles and healings happen. And actually, John G. Lake and Abel, Amy Simpleton McPherson, who were other evangelists of the time, they actually looked up to this lady. And um, she would actually just get so inebriated in his presence, so drinking from him, that she would actually go into a, pra- a trance and she would just be in another place in the heavenlies. And some people in her meeting, they would go nine straight days. And we go, what the? They'd come into the meeting in the presence of God and they'd have these spiritual encounters with God and they'd go into this trance where they'd just... They were drinking from Jesus. And, for, and then when they came out of that, they would be just like, God had done a work in them in those days that would have taken years. And that's the thing about coming into God's presence is that when we do that, that he teaches us. And he teaches us what would have taken us months to learn. He teaches us in half an hour. The revelations and just, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be, that's not why we seek it, but in those places, God just ministers to our heart because he loves us. And he shows his stuff. And they, they were just enjoying his presence like two old friends on a park bench. But she would, she would go, she'd come out on the platform and just go into this place with God. She'd preach and then she'd go into the place and she'd just stay there for hours, 10 hours straight. She's supposed, and, and she wasn't preaching, but God was working while she was out. I was reading. Now, this might just blow your mind a little bit, but I was reading about the old monks way back. And uh, they would go into just this place of just enjoying God and they would just go into another place with him. And they used to have this one monk who was on call, for that was his job for the day. He wasn't allowed to go there. He wasn't allowed to drink and feast because if he did, they'd all be out. And so he would be, it was his job after a little while to call everybody back. And that was his, that was his job for the day. And we go, What? And I was reading about Teresa of Avila, who's a doctor of the church, Catholic Church. She was a nun. And she would, she would um, have these people come into her convent. She set it up. And she, was in a, and she wasn't a great prayer all her life. But when she got to um, in her 40s, she, she had this revelation that she could just come to God and just enjoy him. And she would go into these ecstasies with God. And uh, she would start to float. And she said to the other nun, she just have to sit on me and keep me down. Because it's to freak her out. This is in the 1500s. This is not new that we can drink of Jesus and be inebriated and have experience of God that are just, you know, it's a supernatural thing. It's like real stuff. And it's like he wants us to enjoy him. And when he does that, just go, God, I just take whatever you have. I just take whatever you have. 
because it's a doorway into entering into the heavenly realms when we draw close to God and value him. I just want to give you a little what, what's coming for you because when you go to those places in God, you can start with just a prayer of quiet or a prayer of affection. So a prayer of quiet where you don't have to talk. It doesn't have to be a battle. We are made to love him and you don't have to have some great revelational word. You just sit on the park bench together and uh, you just quiet your mind. And I, and I was talking to mum and I know you don't believe me, but I'm actually a very quiet person on the inside. I'm, I'm like, I like quiet and I, like, I go to that place, you know, <laughs> of quietness. But I was talking to mum and she said, you know, some people, they find it really hard to quiet their minds. And so I was listening to a recording about just prayer and you know your mind often gets in the way when we come to a place of prayer of quiet or prayer of affection so put your hand on your head do it now just so you can practice and so mind you're a great servant but a poor master and I call my spirit to govern in the name of Jesus I command you mind to come under my spirit. And spirit, I command you to come over the governant of my mind and take your rightful place. Alright, so that means that our mind has to, has to come under what our spirit wants to do because you can come and you want to have that prayer of affection, prayer of quiet, but your mind's racing, racing. But if you pray, mind you come under authority, my spirit. I, and the Bible says that we're to walk by the spirit, not by our mind. It says walk by the spirit. And so we can speak to our mind, and you can do that with your emotions. Emotions, you come under authority. Spirit, you govern what is going on in me. And when we do that, we can come to the prayer of quiet, of affection, and we can recollect him, we can remember him, we can enjoy him, and and that's the first step, is, is we don't have to have a great revelation. Just come in quietness to him. Put things in your mind and in your, in your life that help you to recollect him, whether it be worship song or going to your favourite place and just enjoying. And then when you start to do that, something starts to happen when you practice that quietness, that affection. You know, your thoughts may be racing, but then they kind of narrow and they become... Uh, they're not racing anymore and you can feel God and you, can, you get quite intoxicated with him. You know, like I have this brightness come and I can feel his presence on my face and it's like just everything narrows to him and you start to go into his realm and his place in your spirit. And then when you, you can, and you can get drunk there in Jesus. You're just like, oh, you know, sometimes you just feel so spaced out. Just drink from him. Just allow yourself to enjoy him. You don't have to be getting some revelation or you pray, pray, pray. There's times for that. But when you're coming into his presence, just enjoy him. And when you get to that place, you move on from there and you get used to doing that, then your cup gets so full, that's when the ecstasy comes. That's when it's like, whoa, God is here. And, and it's like everything starts to happen and there's like color and movement and, and God will start to show us things. But the first step of entering into his presence is to know that you can feast on the fatness of his house. You can drink from the river of his delights, that you can enjoy him. 
Because when we do that, you can enjoy and allow the things around you to trigger you towards him. So when you're enjoying a coffee, go, Lord, thank you. I just turn my face to you. I love you, Lord. I thank you for this. I thank you that I can enjoy that you've given me. that, And you come into his presence. Just practice coming into his presence when you're going for a walk on the beach. Lord, I just thank you that it's here. I can just enjoy it. And practice. To let it be a trigger into his presence. When you're walking with your, you know, your best mate or your husband or wife or whoever, your kids, just, Lord, I just thank you for them. And let it be a trigger into his presence. See how easy it is? It doesn't have to be, oh, hard work all the time. Because he's the vine. You know, like Basil, the picture we had at camp, Basil, and he was trying to produce the grapes and fruit and all that. And he just needed to relax and be connected to the vine. And that fruit came. The fruit comes when we're connected and drink from Jesus. And let the beautiful things around us, the things that are good and lovely and, and praiseworthy, let those be triggers to heaven, triggers into his presence. And uh, let his cup overflow. Rejoice at his banqueting table and his fullness. And you can get inebriated in him anytime you want because it's good. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are such a good God, that you love us so much, that it's all about how much you love us. and We don't have to do anything except just enjoy you, that we can be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house and drink from the river of your pleasure, Lord, that we can rejoice in those streams of God that bring joy to our life. Lord, I thank you for each other. I thank you that you've placed us in a family where we can belong. Lord, that we can love each other and in doing that, that it is a reflection of the love you have. I thank you, Lord, that we can do acts of kindness and share the love and that when we do that, that we would turn our face towards you and say, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you that I can do that. I thank you that I can enjoy you. I thank you that I can spread that love around. Lord, help us as this week goes by to put things in place in our lives that would trigger us into the spirit realm as we enjoy you more. I pray your peace over our minds and a rest in our hearts that we can just live in you, that we are connected to you, that we are forgiven, that we are set free and for us to deeper and deeper understand that, that who we are in you, that we are new creations and that we wear a robe of righteousness and we're cleansed and set free and all the beautiful things in your word. That's us. That's us and it's for us. Thank you, Lord. I just want to play a song. Can you play it for me? I just Sometimes we rush off and we get busy. I just want us to let that word settle. Let that word settle. And mark Psalm 36, 7 to 9 in your Bibles. Underline it. That you can feast on the fullness of his house. But I want us to do that just for a few moments, just to feast on a fullness. Um, what we do, how he loves us. If you don't know the song, just listen to the words. It's all about love, remember? Whoa. <laughs>